If you have your Bible with you, we're going to read today from the Gospel of Matthew, starting at chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. We read the first two verses of this passage last Sunday as we began our Advent series, and we'll look at the remainder of the story of the Magi, or the wise men. (coughs) Hear the word of the Lord. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out uh, from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they... After they had heard the... They went on their way. And the star they had seen... Preachers get a frog in their throat <laughs> at the most inconvenient of times. <coughs> after, they had s- av- after they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed on coming to the house They saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Today is the second of four Sundays in the Advent season. It's a time in the Christian calendar where we anticipate the celebration of the birth of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. Christians around the globe take these four weeks preceding Christmas to prepare their hearts and minds to ready for Christmas. We do this knowing that the one who came will come again. Our Advent theme is come to worship. And in this series, we're looking at four physical postures of worship. Last Sunday, we looked at the physical posture of the uplifted hands. We talked about how there are a number of ways to do that we see in Scripture. Next Sunday, we're focusing on the posture of pouring out our hearts to God, knowing that often lament is 
something that we need to do. We're not so good at it, but we need to do it, especially during this season. We pour out our hearts to God. And then we'll conclude the series with a message on bowing the knee or bowing or kneeling before God. You might be familiar with the song, bow the knee, bow the knee. He is king of all ages, bow the knee. God alone on his throne. See him high and lifted up and bow the knee. Kneel before him and adore him. As you live to love him more, bow the knee. Today's message is entitled, Bring Your Gifts. The Magi brought gifts which inspired the tradition of giving gifts at Christmas time. And we'll look at giving as a physical posture of worship and see how our gifts can have a meaningful impact on others. Who doesn't enjoy giving and receiving gifts? We all do. But if we stop and think about it, often the most expensive gifts are not necessarily the most meaningful gifts. Often the most expensive gifts are not the most meaningful gifts. They're not the ones that are put in a box and placed under the tree. You might reflect on times with family or dear friends over the years in your life. Those are the times that are the most precious and valuable to us. The Magi, in their physically coming to worship and physically bringing gifts, remind us of the greatest gift, the gift of love. And today is the Sunday where we light, lighted the candle of love. Our key thought today is that God, is that love gives freely and joyfully. Because God gave, we also give. Because God gave, we also give. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son from John 3.16. If you've ever given a gift just because you have a glimpse into the heart of God whose nature is to give, it, it is against the nature of God not to give. Paul wrote in Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christmas is all about the God who gave. This is the heart of the nativity. Nativity scenes come in all shapes and sizes. They are a symbol of the entire Christmas story. Uh, many of you have a nativity scene placed in your home, perhaps. Uh, we have a number of them here in the church. Maybe yours is under the tree. Maybe it's in your yard. Maybe it's on your mantle. In our house, we have three. There's Isabella's nativity set that's under her tree. She has a, a little tree in her room. And it's the Fisher-Price set that, we, that we, she has had since she was a baby. And she sets it up every Christmas, and it's a tradition in our home. We also have a set that's porcelain that includes just the baby Jesus, Joseph, and Mary. And then we also have one that's wooden. It was made from in the Holy Land, and Melanie's grandmother brought it back and gave it to her when she was a girl. And so those three have significant meaning in, in our family. If your nativity is not like ours, well, that's okay. They're, many, they're all different. I invite you to go home and look at yours to see the figures in your set. 
they're all shapes and sizes. There are several here in the church for, uh, for you to see. I think we have some slides that remind you of those around our church in the commons area and out in the narthex. I invite you to see them during the Advent season as you worship here in this place. Well, last Christmas, we were at Melanie's mom's house and we were enjoying our time together. And then we saw Melanie's sister dog, Bitsy, chewing something. Well, Bitsy is a Boston Terrier. And unfortunately, we didn't get to what she was chewing in time. And Bitsy chewed up one of the sheep in the nativity set that Melanie's parents bought for each other in 1960 when they got married. So that sets down a sheep. We can't pin this one on Bitsy, but the other nativity set in the living room in her mama's home is missing an angel. So some sets are complete. Others are lacking a few characters. Don't let that cause you trouble. Just know that your set reminds you of the birth narrative of Jesus Christ. When I mention nativity, that's what I mean. The whole account of the birth of Jesus, not just his physical birth, but the whole story. Some scholars have the Magi present immediately after he was born, and others position the Magi weeks after Jesus was born, others up to two years later. Uh, I concur with those who believe that he came uh, at least a year after that, uh, because of, if you read on in the story, you see that they were in a house, and um, that helps us to understand that it was sometime later. Uh, you can decide how to set your setup at home, but remember that it's a symbol of the story that changed the world. Don't miss the important lessons from the Magi, that they came to worship and that they came to give God their first and their best. In Matthew chapter 2, which we've just read, those first 12 verses, we see that Herod is involved in the story. He was appointed governor of Judea in 47 B.C., received the title of king in 40 B.C., and reigned until 4 B.C. when he died. He was insanely suspicious, ruthlessly violent, known to kill, have killed one of his wives, her mother, three of his sons, and many other Jewish priests and religious leaders. He was an evil man. The Magi... Uh, they came from Persia, modern-day Iraq. They were teachers, philosophers, astronomers, astrologists, and they were people who offered wisdom to those who sought it. Some uh, believe there were only three of them, but if you study the story, there weren't there, there, a number of, of magi is not listed. It's simply that they brought three gifts, and in tradition, many believe that there were three simply because there were three gifts, but the Bible doesn't tell us how many. There, there could have been more, and the Bible doesn't give us their names. Later, legend calls them 
kings and names them Caspar, Melchior, and Balthazar. But again, if you look at Scripture, it just says to us that they were magi. And we, we know that they saw this star while they were still in the east and that they followed it as they went west. And then in the passages that, that continue, verse 3 and following, we see that Herod is disturbed, he's very anxious, highly agitated, he's angry that his power will be challenged, and he tried to manipulate the Magi that he would be able to find out where the baby was. And the Magi caught on to this, and they didn't come back to him after they left seeing the child. While they were there, they worshipped. They gave of their treasures, and then they returned to their country. The scripture is clear about a few things as we look at what it means to worship. That they came to worship. That they knew that this was no normal king. That he was born king. That he was not one who was to be made a king. He was born king. And they came and bowed down before him and gave their gifts as an act of worship. They didn't see their giving as an obligation. Unfortunately, some, some Christians look at giving as an obligation or something that they just have to do. And then some churches make people feel guilty about that. And I don't agree with that either. Giving is something that God calls us to do. And we pray that we are overjoyed to give as the Magi were overjoyed to give. Our money is one of several resources God's gifted us to give. Our abilities and the time that we have and our special gifts, spiritual gifts, are other ways that we have the joy of giving. Money, as I shared in our Bible study this past Wednesday, is bottled up sweat. When you and I work, we give of ourselves. We spend time away from family. We make sacrifices. We get home sometimes late. We get up early to go in. Sometimes you might be in a position where you're on call and you get called out in all hours of the night. And one of the ways that you are able to take that time away from home and family is to give it to the Lord. You say, this is one way that I can give back from all of those sacrifices something that is holy and pleasing to God. And in the scriptures, the biblical standard that we see is tithing, and that's 10% of the first fruits of our labors. And so we worship in that way. It's a physical posture of worship, whether we give financially or of our time calendar our spiritual gifts, our special talents, uh, we give of those first fruits to God. In Proverbs 3 and following, we see these words. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make path, your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. We have a privilege of giving. Some of us, like I, I didn't grow up tithing. I didn't grow up giving 
regularly in, in the church. And it was something that I had to learn to do. After I married Melanie, I began to learn that practice, but it, it, was, it was quite some time uh, for me to make that adjustment. And sometimes people say, well, pastor, I could never, you know, get to that 10% place. And I'll, um, I'll never forget what Dr. Jim Flaming said. He was the former pastor of First Baptist Richmond, and I was interning there in seminary. And he said this in a sermon, find your percentage and stick to it. I'd never heard a preacher say that before. Whether it's 1% or 2% or whether it's more than 10 find your percentage and stick to it. When we start somewhere and begin to give regularly, we will see that we give God our first and best, and he will bless the rest. So the Magi were overjoyed to give. And I just want to share with you three practical ways that they gave meaningful gifts. And I believe this translates into our lives as followers of Jesus today. First, their gifts had a personal impact. Matthew 2, 10 and 11. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They were overjoyed. It had a personal impact on them. And the, there are four Greek words that go into translating this one word, overjoyed. I love how the King James puts it. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Four Greek words to, to translate that one word, overjoyed. When we give, we get the joy of giving. The Magi bowed down and worshipped him. There's also a spiritual impact. That's the second meaningful impact, that which is spiritual. In the last part of 11b, they opened their treasures and presented him with the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We are able to see some significance in those three gifts. Gold was fit for a king. This baby was born king. Frankincense points to the priestly ministry of Jesus. And the myrrh points toward the death of Jesus for our sins. Myrrh was an antiseptic and a painkiller. And it was also used in embalming. And it was used in the crucifixion of Jesus. And there are several passages of scripture that refer to the use of myrrh. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh all had significant spiritual meaning as we look back on those gifts as Christian people. And then there was a practical impact. The gifts were put to use. Just like your gifts are put to use not only here in this place, but to the ends of the earth. Verses 13 through 15, as we conclude. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So Joseph got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called 
my son. I wonder if Joseph wasn't able to use the gold to sustain his family during their sojourn in Egypt. The Magi gave gifts that had a personal impact, a spiritual impact on those who would come behind, and also a very practical impact that Jesus' parents would have the means to sustain themselves while they were away. Our gifts have a meaningful impact. May we be known for irrational generosity. People looking at the Magi and seeing gold, frankincense, and myrrh being brought to a baby may have thought that it wasn't reasonable. It didn't seem rational. It seemed irrational. And so they were. The Magi gave their first and their best, and they left the rest to God. We love because God first loved us. The cross is God's irrational gift to us. While we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. And Jesus, as he gathered with his disciples the night that he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body which is given for you. As often as you meet together, eat it, this do in remembrance of me. And in the same way, Jesus took the cup and he poured it out and blessed it, saying, this is my blood which is shed for you for the remission of your sins and the sins of many. This is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you meet together, drink it, this do in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the coming of the Son of Man. Let's pray together.